like to welcome all of you. My name is Joseph. This is Alan Clements, who'll be teaching it with me. Alan was a monk in Burma and Sri Lanka for almost four years. Recently came back to America, taught the last three-month retreat with us as a monk whose name was Agasara. Just a couple of months ago, disrobed in Burma and returned to assist in the courses. Most of you have probably heard by now that Munindraji uh, has recently been very ill and was not at the first course as he had planned to be and will not be at this one either. Uh, He had a recurring bout of malaria while he was teaching in Florida and was quite ill, fever as high as 106. He's recovering now. He's still a bit weak, but he's over the worst of it. So I'm sorry that he won't be here, but uh, it was impossible actually for him to come at this time. Having a retreat for old yogis is a real treat. There's a base of understanding of the basic technique of practice, of how to deal with knee pain, an assortment of other situations that arise in practice that make it possible for a group of us coming together like this to actually settle into deep practice quite quickly. It's not so much of the preliminary explaining and settling and encouraging that's necessary. It's possible actually in a very short time to look at and explore the deepest nature of the mind in our experience, to actually see how things are happening, the nature of the mind, the nature of the body. Mostly, we live our lives, or to, to a large extent, we live our lives lost in our thoughts about things, lost in our ideas, lost in the movies of our mind. There's one little um, teaching from the Zen tradition. It says, all is mind made. It is like a person painting a tiger. They paint it, look at it, and are frightened. There is nothing, however, in the painted figure itself which is fearsome. All is the brushwork of your own imagination. We're all quite good artists. We've developed quite a subtle and intricate brushwork in our imagination. And we create an idea of ourselves 
We create an image of ourselves. We then identify with that image. We identify with that persona. The problem with that is that it's only an image. It's only the brushwork of our imagination. And the image which we've created of ourselves also, for the most part, is somewhat out of focus. And so, when you ask yourself why it is that you come to retreat, why do you come to practice, what's the purpose of it for you? I think it's important, especially at the beginning, as we, as we start again the intensive practice, to ask that of ourselves, because if we have a clear understanding of our purpose, then we can align our energies with the purpose that we have. Instead of our energy, our effort being dispersed, if we have a clear sense of what we're doing, of why we've come, then it's possible to challenge, to, to channel all of our effort, all of our energy, to accomplish what we wish. So I'd like you, just for a moment, to consider the question. It's especially helpful for old yogis who are in the habit of coming to retreat, who generally have the sense that it's a good idea, but may have lost touch with the deeper underlying purpose. And what is it that most deeply motivates you? So sit for a moment and just consider. One suggestion in doing this is not to believe the first thing your mind tells you. Just see it, look at it, and consider again. See if you can get to a deeper place of understanding. Why is it that we practice? Why do we practice? Why have you come here? I think for most of us, to some extent or another, or in some form or another, we find that our lives are not totally complete, or fulfilled, or whole, or settled. Maybe we're racing through life 
too busy and we come to slow down and get more centered. Maybe there's an inquiry, an interest in understanding the deepest levels of the mind, of the nature of suffering and the possibility of freedom. To really cultivate the qualities of mind that are necessary for that kind of penetrating insight and wisdom. The most fundamental questions of existence. What's so inspiring about Dharma practice is that it provides the tools for this inward journey, for the journey into the center, to the center of our being. Coming to a retreat involves two important aspects or qualities of mind. One of them is the aspect of renunciation. In coming here, we renounce a lot. It's as if we create a temporary monastery. renouncing a lot of our usual sense pleasures and desires and gratifications, renouncing our family, our friends for this time, using this time to go inward, to be alone, in order to explore. W.S. Merwin, a poet, is also a student of Buddha Dharma, He wrote a poem called Exercise, which is an exercise in renunciation, which I'd like to read to you. It may give you a sense of what actually is required in your time here. First, forget what time it is for an hour. Do it regularly, every day. Then forget what day of the week it is and do this regularly for a week. Then forget what country you are in and practice doing it in company for a week. And then do them together for a week with as few breaks as possible. Follow these by forgetting how to add or to subtract. It makes no difference. You can change them around after a week. Both will help you later to forget how to count. Forget how to count, starting with your own age, starting with how to count backward, starting with even numbers, starting with Roman numerals, starting with fractions of Roman numerals, starting with the old calendar, going on to the old alphabet, going on to the alphabet, until everything is continuous again. When we give it all up, when we renounce it all, all those aspects of the mind which keep our lives in fragments, in segments, which keep us from understanding the basic process, the unifying process, of life, 
Mostly we don't use mantra in Vipassana meditation. But there's one mantra which I would like you to use. And you get it for free. (laughs) And the mantra which I'd like you to start the retreat with and to hold in mind in the spirit of this poem Nothing is worth thinking about. That's the mantra. Nothing is worth thinking about. With respect to the practice, with respect to the meditation, with respect to your time here, nothing is worth thinking about. Repeating that mantra will probably not ensure the absence of thought. But what it might do for you is to underline the perspective of practice that no matter what comes up for you, you know, the final complete understanding of the nature of your relationship or the world's greatest novel or solving the political crises of the planet or what job you're going to get when you leave here that is going to make you totally happy or whatever, it's not worth thinking about, no matter how important it seems. Thoughts will come and go and that's part of the practice. Don't choose to spend your time thinking. It's not meditating. Oh, a thought I forgot was particularly helpful to remember not to do. Don't play therapist to yourself. Meditation is not therapy, it's not thinking. It's developing a very penetrating power of silent awareness. And getting lost in thought, no matter how important and how valid and how wonderful and how whatever, is not what the practice is about. Usually I don't go on and on like this, you know, in the beginning retreats, but since almost all of you are experienced sitters and know the practice very well, I would like to encourage you from the beginning to a level of renunciation. In nine days, with a strong commitment to renouncing, renouncing past, renouncing future, renouncing thinking about things, there's there's a fantastic possibility to deepen your practice in a very significant way. But it takes understanding what's necessary and then doing it. It takes a certain level of commitment. And the commitment that's required, in addition to the renunciation, is the commitment to impeccable attention. 
it will be possible for you to be here for these nine days in a pretty nice rhythm of awareness where you settle in and you do the sittings and the walkings and you're more or less present and you'll get more or less concentrated and be more or less mindful. And that's fine. That is a way to practice. But especially since you already have the foundation, you have the the basic understanding of what it's about, there's another whole realm or level or quality of practice that's possible. And that possibility comes from a commitment to impeccable attention. As an example of what I mean, I'd like to read from one little section of the instructions um, from Mahasi Saibao, who's the grandfather of this whole tradition. It's the instructions they give in Burma to the yogis who go there to practice. It will give you an idea of the quality of attention. If you're going for a drink of water, this is the example. When you look at the water faucet, on arriving at the place where you are to take a drink, be sure to make a mental note. Seeing, seeing. When you stop walking, make the note stopping. When you stretch the hand, make the note stretching. When the hand touches the cup, touching. When the hand takes the cup, taking. When the hand puts the cup into the water, putting. When the hand brings the cup to the lips, bringing. When the cup touches the lips, touching. Should you feel cold at the touch, feeling cold. When you swallow, make the note swallowing. When returning the cup, returning. Withdrawing the hand, withdrawing. When you bring down your hand, bringing. When the hand touches the side of the body, touching. If you intend to turn around, intending. When you turn around, turning. When you walk forward, walking. On arriving at the place where you intend to stop, intending. When you stop, Make the note stopping. You're not going to do too many extra things. (laughs) Your life here will get very simple (laughs) if you practice with that kind of impeccability. There is no hurry. There is nothing else to do. Be as caring and careful and precise in your awareness of experience as possible. You have to maintain some flexibility with respect to this kind of attention given the size of the group and some activities that we engage in as a group. So for example, when you're on lunch line or washing dishes and there are 50 people behind you, you need not be quite so minuscule in your noticing. 
you can practice a little faster mindfulness. But for the most part, as you're going through the day, see if you can lightly and delicately be that aware, be that attentive. With a commitment to this kind of practice, the concentration and mindfulness develop extremely quickly. And the practice takes on whole different dimensions. You will see that if you spend one day noting every movement that you make, every touch sensation, within one day, the mind will be quiet, will be still, will be penetrating. And so I want to encourage you and support your practice in that way as much as possible. A few things to remind you briefly of, which again you're mostly all familiar with, that is to respect the silence. It's exceedingly helpful for your own practice and for everyone else. It provides a space of clarity in which we can pay this kind of attention. The silence is a beautiful aspect of the retreat, and so respect it with care. Be patient. Now, it'll take a day or two to find the rhythm of your practice here. The more carefully you notice, the more impeccable your attention from the beginning, the quicker will be the settling in process. Be patient with yourself. Be, be soft. Even as you go through this very detailed process of awareness, do it with lightness. It's not getting uptight and it's not getting tense. It's, it's the quality, it's the quality of some classical dance. Now, where there's this wonderful and precise attention to detail of movement with a sense of grace, with a sense of ease. Play with that balance. There'll be group interviews and group discussions scheduled every other day, starting the day after tomorrow. And those will be posted on the board. Do you have any questions about practicing in this way? We're going to go over reviewing for you the basic meditation instructions in the morning. But if you have any questions now about anything I mentioned... Okay, Alan is going to talk about the refuges and precepts now before we do a short sitting tonight.
I think most of you are already familiar with the traditional three refuges and the basic five precepts. So I'll go through them just briefly. Traditionally, at Vipassana retreats like this one, insight retreats, we like to offer the three refuges, taking refuge in the Buddha, taking refuge in the Dhamma, and the Sangha, as a means to empower ourselves with the deep recognition that the journey is within us. Obviously, it's not outside of ourselves. By taking the refuges, we really understand that no one's going to do it for us. That the path of awakening, the path of meditation, in some ways is a very lonely journey. Or more aptly put, a journey we have to make by ourselves or alone. These particular refuges are like mental reminders that can add an added strength to the power of our practice. Taking refuge in the Buddha. It doesn't mean taking refuge in this bronze statue behind me. Taking refuge in the Buddha means acknowledging the possibility of the awakened state or the gradual path of awakening within us. Buddha means the awakened state. Acknowledging very closely and deeply that seed within us, that seed of freedom, that seed of understanding. Taking refuge in the Dhamma, taking refuge in the Dharma, the truth, the law. This is an inner acknowledgement that by seeing the laws that govern mind and body, govern the universe, our relationships, we can live in accord with these laws that we see, providing harmony in ourselves and other people, fluidity of mind. Taking refuge in the Sangha, Traditionally, this means several different things. There's the Arya Sangha, which means the abode of enlightened beings on the planet. There's the Bhikkhu Sangha and the Bhikkhuni Sangha, the monks and nuns, those people who have voluntarily renounced certain aspects of life and devoted themselves to monasticism. In the context of this retreat, in our own situations, most of us, it means acknowledging, first of all, the beauty of all of us getting together and really supporting each other in those endeavors that facilitate our own inner growth. On another level, it's acknowledging those tendencies of mind within each of us, to varying degrees, that bring conflict within the community, namely levels of fear, anxiety, greed, anger, and a willingness on our own parts to attenuate and possibly dissolve these tendencies, a real respect for each member of the community by taking this own inner responsibility to weaken these forces, to look at them, 
Refuge in the Buddha, the Dhamma. Refuge in the Sangha, the community. At this time, for those of you who would like, I'll repeat them in English, and if you so choose, which I would like to recommend, please silently repeat them to yourselves. I take refuge in the Buddha, the possibility of my own awakening. I take refuge in the Dhamma, the acknowledgement of discovering the laws that govern mind and body. I take refuge in the community by taking responsibility for being a dignified member and supportive element in each other's growth. Also, we take the five traditional precepts. These precepts, which will be explained further in talks to come, are obviously not commandments based on any form of sin and punishment. They're simply mental suggestions that, again, empower the individual and bring a level of tranquility and joy and happiness, which is the very soil for wisdom and insight to grow.
any people coming from the world, coming from our lives and our jobs and our families, find when they begin to sit, I know from my own experience, due to very subtle and sometimes more gross forms of conflict in relationship, in relating into the world, through things that we've regretted having said or done through our actions, when we finally come to the retreat, we find a little agitation that arises based on the remembrance or the remorse of a particular act or something we've said in the past. And so we can begin to see the direct relationship to virtuous or skillful conduct and the tranquility of mind in the moment. Also, these five precepts serve as a very fundamental guideline. Since all of us are here at this retreat, nearly a hundred of us, to maximize the fluidity and the harmony of all of us being here together and practicing. They optimize each of our own personal practice for these next nine days. The first precept is refraining from taking the life or harming any living creature. The whole path of meditation is one of becoming non-aggressive, really understanding non-violence and, and non-oppression on deeper and more subtle levels. By not taking the life of any creature, whether it be the black flies outside, which you've noticed by now, I'm sure, or any ants or flies or any form of life that we encounter here, really becoming a statement of nonviolence coexisting, allowing creatures to be alive, protecting them, serves as a tremendous facilitator for our own inner power and clarity. The second precept or training rule is the willingness not to take anything which isn't directly given to you personally. By really adhering to this particular rule or training rule or guideline, it eliminates any confusion or ambiguity about our own material possessions being here together. What you have, you use and maintain. And there's no uncertainty about it ever being not there if you don't take that which isn't directly given to you. The third precept or training rule is maintaining celibate sexual relations. Again, the entire path of meditation in this intensive setting is one of a basic aloneness on many, many different levels. Really taking a committed stance in a responsible attitude we're really allowing people to pursue their own practice here and best supporting that by maintaining silence on all levels through physical gestures, through trying not to make eye contact. And of course, most applicable to this particular precept, by remaining celibate.
The fourth precept in the context of this retreat is the sincere willingness to remain silent. We'll have plenty of opportunity to speak in discussion groups, question and answers. And of course, if it's necessary, as all of you know from past experience, if you need to speak to a staff member, you can first try to write a note and then, if necessary, make contact verbally. A tremendous power of mind can develop by maintaining silence. I'd really like to encourage you, having come this far in the willingness to undertake this journey for the next nine days, to really maximize it by staying silent. The final training rule is refraining from the use of any intoxicating substance which causes heedlessness or unclarity of mind. In short, it means refraining from all use of substances such as pot, any kind of psychedelic drug, alcohol, anything that which isn't medically prescribed. We want to look at the raw, organic, basic us during this time. So please really acknowledge this, as I know all of you have in the past and certainly will during this retreat. The five precepts. Again, I'll repeat them in English and I'd like to encourage you to silently repeat them to yourselves after I say them out loud. I undertake the training rule to refrain from killing or harming any living creature. I undertake the training rule to abstain from taking that which isn't directly given to me with the intention to steal. I undertake the training rule to remain sexually celibate. I undertake the training rule to remain silent unless necessary. And I undertake the precept or training rule at this retreat to refrain from the use of intoxicating substances. I, like Joseph, um, would really like to extend extraordinary and very warm welcome to all of you. I feel a great deal of happiness and enthusiasm knowing that we've billed this as the advanced retreat so we can do all kinds of tricky things to keep it advanced. And I really look forward to the next nine days in participating in this with you.
in your sitting position, take some posture that's as comfortable as possible with the back straight without being tense or tight. You don't have to hold yourself rigid, which will only be pain and tension creating. Sit straight and relaxed at the same time. In the first minute or two, pay attention to your posture so you get a sense of how you're sitting, how stable it is, whether the back and neck are actually straight, your hands in some comfortable position. What's helpful is to minimize movement. So it's not so much a particular posture that's required, but some way of sitting that will enable you to sit still for as long as possible. Let the eyes close gently. As you sit, from time to time you might notice the area of the eyes because often tension is um, built up in that area. In an effort to be mindful, sometimes we clench the eyes. The awareness, of course, has nothing to do with our eyes. We can close them gently and let them be. Once in a while to check that area and relax whatever tension we might be holding there. Begin by taking a few deep breaths. Feeling the breath as it goes into the body, as it leaves the body. From this first sitting, we can begin to work with that impeccability of attention. Beginning to feel the sensation of the breath. And see where in the body you feel it most clearly. Do you feel it at the nostrils or the movement of the chest or the abdomen? When you see where you feel it most clearly, stay at that area, noticing the subtle sensations, either of the air as it touches the tip of the nose, or the upper lip, or the sensation of pressure as the chest expands or the abdomen rises, and the falling movement, that sensation. Don't direct or interfere with the breathing process. Let it settle totally into its own natural rhythm. Simply letting it be and feeling the sensation of it as carefully and as subtly as possible.
With each breath you can make a soft mental note of in and out or rise and fall just along with the actual experience, not before and not after. Keeping the note extremely soft with the primary emphasis on the experience of the sensation, either of the air or of the movement. See how closely and carefully you can feel the sensation of each breath. Microscopic attention.
be with the experience and sensation of each breath in its entirety. So there are no gaps or spaces in the continuity of your attention. Keep the mind soft and relaxed, allowing each breath to come in its own time and rhythm, without forcing or directing. Soft mind and precise awareness.
see how closely and carefully you can feel the sensation of each in and out or rise and fall.
see if you can keep the continuity of your attention in the same way as in the sitting, as you stand up and leave the hall and have tea or not, get ready for bed. So that there's an unbroken awareness through the range of different activities and different movements. Pay attention to the little things, because that's often where the mind spaces out or loses it. Just the sensation of putting your shoes on, or the sensation of turning, the sensation of reaching for something, or of touching something. Do it in a soft way. With this, with this kind of careful attention, it's extremely important to keep the mind soft and relaxed in it rather than tight or tense. It's settling back into the moment rather than forcing or tightening anything. So be delicate with your awareness. It's a practical matter in terms of leaving and entering the hall. You might have the right lane for the real slow ones and the left lane for passing. We've had real traffic jams here. (laughs) Schedule will be the one that we've been using for the past nine days, for the most part, with one change. We'll have the early morning sitting tomorrow. If those of you um, who have come late today and are particularly tired from traveling, if you'd like tomorrow to get up just in time for breakfast, that would be okay. But it's not too late now, so if you take rest and you feel the energy to get up for the early morning sitting, the wake-up bell is at 4.45 and the sitting is from 5.30 to 6.30. For those of you who have stayed stayed over, the one change in the schedule for tomorrow will be the evening sitting has been at 6.15 but we'll move it back to six to have a full hour sitting before the talk. Any questions? Now it feels like